I'm Salamina Monsese, uh, one of the co-founders at Sorel Media. We are a production house that um, specializes in film at the moment. Um, uh, my business partner, Stefina Zwani, and I grew up on kids' TV. Um, and 20 years later, we're still at it, but now fully behind the scenes, mostly. Um, I do both acting and producing. I grew up in Limpopo, in Zividiela, I was Granny's child. I grew up with my siblings, um, regular childhood, um, never, ever, ever dreamt of being in the industry. It wasn't even on my horizon. Um, I think what I wanted to be then was a psychologist, and that's really what I thought I would do when we eventually moved to Johannesburg. School, um, especially primary school, was an interesting time because um, in the 90s, when um, black kids were allowed into the multiracial schools for the first time, I was in grade two at the time. Um, well, I was in standard one at a school in Mutlaging. And then when we were allowed into the former multiracial, whatever you want to call them, Model C schools, um, then I went to Emerentia Primary um, with my little brother. My sister was at a different school, and Emerentia was such um, a beautiful time in my life because, firstly, that is actually what introduced me to the entertainment industry. Because you can imagine um, the people in the ad industry who had never really interacted with little um, black children who come from townships but who can speak English. So we were that guinea pig generation where every second mom um, of one of our friends would be like, oh, you'd be so cute in an advert. So I was always the kid who was getting shoved around to try this and try that. Um, and I think, look, at the time, my parents were just excited that somebody was paying me to take pictures of me. They were just like, okay, this can work. <laughs> She's already um, bringing home the bacon. Um, but it was interesting for me as well because I was such a shy child. But I learned how to turn on the entertainment, the showbiz thing. By standard two, I had done a CNA this, a JET that. And by the time um, I was in high school, I think it was probably grade eight, um, I auditioned for Soul Buddies, and that was the beginning of my career. Uh, and Soul Buddies was literally 21 years ago, and I haven't looked back since. Because once the acting bug bit, then I was like, okay, parents, this is the career. But uh, my parents, being my parents, were like, uh, no, that's if, if you could get a job without having studied it, it's not a real job. <laughs> it means anyone can walk off the street and do this job of yours. So that's the reason why when I got to university, I studied corporate communications, because at least then my parents would be happy that I have a degree. But I'm really glad I did it because it also then introduced me to a different side of the industry. The side where if you're in a business, you're selling your business all the time and you're preparing documents and you have to write to a certain spec 
um, and at a certain level. And that's really what corporate communication helped me with. You know, it's not easy um, for actors to transition successfully um, into the business side of things. And there's various reasons. So I still love to act. And it is in fact my first love. I enjoy that far more than I do producing. With producing, you have to worry about what people are eating. As an actress, I just need to worry about <laughs> delivering my lines, giving a good performance, arriving on time, and who's going to pay me at the end of the month. Right. So I realize now that's the fun stuff. If I could do that every day um, and build wealth, then I would. But it's very difficult to build wealth purely from acting. Okay. So with our industry, um, the way it's set up, and this is across the world, it's not um, a problem or a challenge unique to South Africa, is you have to be a jack of all trades, dancing all the time. At night, you are on a ramp, you are emceeing. During the day, you in the studio, if you can sing, you dance, you run a choreography studio, and you're acting, and, 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 and. I got to a point where I was like, hmm, Okay, so there are various ways, and I call them business models. There are various business models that can be applied to a person because in our industry, you yourself are the business. Um, and the sooner that you can change your mind to think of yourself in that way, the better you'll be able to sustain a career. Um, what happened with, with me is, you know, I, I loved the acting. I could have stayed doing it forever and ever and ever, but then I had a child. And then I realized, oh, if I'm not working, there's literally nothing in the bank. So there's no legacy. There's no wealth that I have built. I had one propatiniana. Is that what I'm going to leave her? You know, so once I started to think around, how do I make sure that my money outlasts even me and my walk in the career um, in the industry? I realized that I needed to do much more and then have assets, actual assets. And that's where creating content allows you to be, especially if you own your own content. So when we started our business, we were very deliberate from the beginning. We didn't want to go the commissioned route. We understand it's a great way to build the business, but we were like, mm -mm. I would rather this apple belongs to me, all of it. And then I'll find ways to chop it up even if I sell one quarter to this territory, one quarter to this license to the da-da-da-da, which is the American model, where you own your IP. Um, so from the get-go, this is where we were at because we were thinking wealth generation. The first thing that we did as a business is we set up a VOD platform. And we understood that, you know, because we tried to raise money the traditional route, the banks are not going to finance. We don't have proper projections. I didn't know if this model would work. I can't say it would work. So even getting a venture capitalist in um, to fund something and try it out, even on a trial basis, um, was extremely difficult. But that's exactly what we did. We pitched and pitched and pitched to anyone. If I saw that you had money, if you were at Durban July and you were sitting there buying drinks for the girls all night, I'd be like, hi, we want to start a business. I don't know if you're interested in the entertainment industry. <laughs> um, that's what we had to do. So 
we raised money just for one year of production, of full production. We bought equipment, we set up studio in our little office, we created content, we had eight different shows, we built the VOD platform, we turned it into an application on Android and iOS, um, shot for like a year, hired staff, we did it, the whole thing, it was like the dream. <sighs> eight months, money finished, <sighs> exhausted. Where are we selling this content? So luckily at the time, we heard about this market called Discop. Um, and we had gone to Discop about two years before. And we were so bored because we were like, what is this? Everyone is asking us for shows. Like we had people approaching us, do you know who we can talk to to buy generations? And I was like, no one buys generations. That's owned by the public broadcaster. How silly. But... The people that we were meeting at Discop were people who were used to acquiring content from other independent producers. So that woke us up to, ah, so if we manage to raise enough money to shoot something, there are people looking for this kind of content. Um, so it was very trial and error. But we managed then once we had um, all those shows that we owned, that's all IP, we've put it out there online so no one can steal our concept and go in because we have a track record. Um, and then we were able to license our content to different territories and make small little monies all over the show. And it's not a lot. You can't run a full company off that. But that taught us a very valuable lesson. If you have a product, there are buyers out there. Um, but you have to have these conversations and you need to understand um, how to strike these conversations up. So we had to start talking to distributors, sales agents, so that we know what's a good deal, what's a bad deal. We got burnt. We lost money. But that's okay because after that, you walk away and you're like, okay, I won't ever be wet behind the ears again. You know, so it was a very valuable lesson for us. Um, but it did cost money. Um, eventually, we literally shut down the whole operation, had to lay off everybody, and it was back to just myself and Stefina. And we were like, <laughs> okay, so back to not having money. Do we go back to acting or what do we do? Then we thought, okay, we've got 300,000 Rand left in the bank account. We won't take salaries, but let's shoot a movie and then travel the world and see what film festivals are all about. And that's how the movie production started. Our film industry, wow, guys. <laughs> dog eats dog, I'm telling you. And our biggest thing is distribution, right? So I think Baby Mamas was a great learning opportunity for us. Um, we did great marketing. We really broke our backs to try and, you know, almost tick all the right boxes. Um, but one thing I learned about um, the box office and the battle that it is, in South Africa is there is very little knowledge out there about what exactly South African viewers will pay money to see. Um, so we're a very, very baby industry. We are excellent at TV and our audiences are used to watching great, great quality stuff for free at home. So to get them off their couches, 
you know, to compete with the comedy shows, the music festivals, the gardens, the markets, the because that's essentially what it is. It's not about uh, people don't support local films. It's the rand is not enough to go around. So I'm choosing very carefully what I'm doing with my money come and end. I've got hair, societies, baby showers, a funeral every now and then, and then there's fill up the dome, and, 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 and. So filmmakers are essentially competing against other forms of entertainment. That's not a simple feat. Um, and also, we're still developing our audiences because we don't actually know. We know South Africans watch films, I mean, Black Panther, hello, Tyler Perry, he stays in South Africa the longest that, than he does anywhere else in the world. Acrimony was on the box office for 38 weeks. Where have you ever, right? So South Africans do watch films. It's how do we entice them significantly enough that we can start making a business out of the films that we produce. And that's a working, you know, it's, it's, it's um it's still in, pro, in, in progress. Um, it's, I don't think one filmmaker has all the answers. Uh, you know, Leon Schuster, he's been doing it for a while. He's one of the very few uh, filmmakers in this country who makes a killing at box office in dollars, right? So it's not that South Africans watch, it's what do they want to watch? How do you entice them? Where are we finding them? And how do we do it consistently enough? Um, but the way distribution is set up is our first deterrent as filmmakers, because you are literally fighting with long-standing contracts with the big studios in Hollywood. Whether your film is killing, 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 if Ava is gonna release a film, if Tyler Perry is gonna release a film, if Marvel is releasing, they will pull you out of even the sites that you're performing well at. There's a misconception that we don't do well, that's why they pull us out. <laughs> We've learned differently, you know, so it's a multiple layered conversation. Um, but I think the better that we can try and mimic at the very least Nollywood and see how far we can get in terms of really, you know, developing that taste for local films, then we'll start to see that trend turn around.